If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba the Hutt, you'd probably shot some of them. Hello, Blobba fans, and you are very welcome to episode 32 of Blobba the Hut. Illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25,000. So the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace. Kate and Gary here, your neighborhood, friendly neighborhood Star Wars podcast hosts. I don't know. <laughs> Nice reference. It, it, it'll go well with our pun-filled episode that we're about to let people listen to. Oh, man. So, I guess, um, yeah, we're on to part two of the build-up to Dublin Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. So, last episode, we had a very interesting chat with two very interesting fellows. And we thought we'd follow that up with another interesting fellow. Oh yeah, we we had to finish part two with a with one of our favorite lovable rogues. It, it just had to be done. <laughs> so, last episode had heavily featured, you know, action figures and that sort of thing. So, Gary, do you want to tell us a little bit more about who we're going to be talking to in this episode? Yeah. So this time we we finally managed to put it together. So we had the chance to sit down and interview our good friend from Heroes and Villains Ireland, uh, Mr. Jason Flood. For those who are in the know, Jason's name is synonymous with collecting figures, rare nostalgia. And he's been very, very good to us over the years. We've known him for for quite a long time and he's always been very, very supportive of us. So with this being the build-up to Dublin Comic-Con and Jason will heavily feature at Dublin Comic-Con, his stall is always amazing. There's just always something at his stall that blows my mind and it was nice to just sit down in the middle of a cafe and just mm-hmm. chat all things collecting nostalgia and and things of that nature so it was a very nice contrast to what Kim and Ken were talking about from you know the processes of putting the the artwork together and creating the the packaging which as mm-hmm. we said in the previous interview that the sort of retro packaging and the old school art styles are are effectively on the return yeah, very so it cool. Was, it was nice to sit down with Jason to hear his views, his thoughts, and to, to get his expert perspective because he is collecting such a long, long time and he is known through circles for being able to track down rare and hard-to-get memorabilia. So we should preface by saying it is the most Dublin interview <laughs> ever. We sat down in the middle of a cafe and... We were Did you have Guinness? sound testing just to make sure everything. No, there was no Guinness, unfortunately. I can, <laughs> I can imagine if there was, it would have went off the rails entirely. But um, there you go. Yeah, it it was just nice to just sit in the middle of a cafe again and to chat all things Star Wars collecting and, of course, the build up to Dublin Comic Con. Beautiful. All right, let's listen to the interview. So that's just a test there now. Test la, test. La 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 la. Yeah. Perfect, so we're recording. So. And the horse is off, all the bolters and there goes <laughs> the jockeys. So here we are, sitting in a cafe in the middle of Dublin, chatting Star Wars. We're, we're getting some interesting looks around with uh, 
our uh, earphones uh, and everything it's on. It's not exactly a hive of scum and villainy, but it's close. But it'll do. Uh, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thank how you so you? much for taking the time. Yeah, we're good. Um, as we were saying to some of our viewers, we recorded with Ken Coleman and Kim Simmons last night. Great lads. And we're a great bunch of lads. Great bunch of lads. And obviously, we wanted to delve a little bit further into the sort of collecting area and who better than Jason Flood. So, I just want to say hello there. <laughs> it had to be done. I have to do this. Now this is podcasting. Now this is absolutely yeah, podcasting. We're going to have to get a picture of that later, yeah, yeah. so we will. So, for those who are unaware, um, the name Jason Flood is sort of synonymous in Dublin and indeed Ireland with conventions and collecting. So, well, could you give limits? <laughs> could you give everyone a little bit of a background of exactly who is Jason Flood? Ah, oh, well, he's a about. Six, five foot something, uh, 300 pounds, not the world champion of wrestling. But uh, no, I was born into all the Star Wars, I had no choice to come into it. And I come from an era where, if you can imagine a, a wireless listener, where there was no phones, no VHS, no um, anything. I've got all information from magazines and movie shows and makings of them. Star Wars just literally came out of nowhere and there was nothing like it. It was just a juggernaut at the time. And then basically everything we have now, we kind of owe to it in terms of entertainment, movie business. So I, toys, merchandise and just there's a lot of stuff can reach back to Star Wars in the beginning of it, just a little movie just from someone's imagination, it just goes to show the power of imagination so uh, marketing, uh, sci-fi Pixar, everything, there's a load of stuff you can come back to and then James Cameron, everything else that's now is it's, it's, it's good how it's all cyclical so you have a new bunch of generation of artists and directors and dreamers who are just doing stuff now, toy makers and all that as well so but for me, it was growing up with the toys. My dad was, I was born in 77, same year the original movie came mm-hmm. out. Back then it was just Star Wars, it wasn't episode four. And this is a time when we didn't have Disney Plus, didn't have VHS, didn't have anything. So it, what happens is the films just get re-released every so often. So if you want to go see them, it, they came back out in the cinema on, on a limited re-release. So one of my earliest memories is my dad bringing me back to, it was in the Harold's Cross Cinema. Up in Harold's Cross, obviously, and uh, just late nights, because um, if he was working late, and he just dragged me along to see movies. Because again, the only times he got this, what we watched these is when they came back out. Mm-hmm. So I fond memories of uh, just earliest memories of being up that, and then uh, vaguely remember Empire, but I definitely remember the day Return of the Jedi came out. We were queuing up outside the Ambassador on O'Connell Street, and it's just all sorts of questions like, well, "Where's the Millennium Falcon?" Because all we saw pictures so far was the skiff mm-hmm. and, and things like that. It's just like, what happened? Where were we back on the sand? And who's this? And who's that? So uh, just. Um, Seeing Return of the Jedi is just one of the original times I can just say goosebumps, like even at an early age, because mm-hmm. the last 20 minutes of that film are just some of the best you'll ever see, like the three-way battles and the excitement and everything else. So the closest I came to it more in recent years was um, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Like, basically, Infinity War is the Empire Strikes Back and Endgame is Return of the Jedi, if you think about it. So the, sitting back watching them, looking to see them at previews for everybody else, and it was just like just sitting there and just being reverted back to a six-year-old watching Return of the Jedi all over again. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but, uh, Dad was collecting the figures and the toys, and um, I thought every kid was growing into a Star Wars collection. And so I was getting all the toys and all the figures each week, you'd go and buying something else, and then every time the films came out, it's actually something that I've never, I haven't seen another company do since, and actually it's something that plays in my mind, helps me with what I do at the moment, is every time a new movie came out, Kenner would release all the older toys. So if you missed out on characters from the first Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back, they got re-released just with the Empire Strikes Back logo, and same again for Return of the mm-hmm. Jedi. And um, so I just basically had lo- all, most of the figures, most of the sets. Um, back in the time, you used to collect the little um, uh, name logos off the front. You could send them off and get bonus figures. So I remember in the post, little white box arrived. One time it was Admiral Akbar, another time it was uh, Obi- uh, Boba Fett, another time it was the Emperor. So it was just like, this, this is great. It's just, it's like Transformers did the same thing with the robot points. But um, I just, I love, it's just, 
for me it's like um, people remember a song or anything like, can remind you of a memory as well like certain sm- I remember um, there used to be loads of great toy shops around town Paddy Barrett's um, where Penny's is now used to be BHS and stuff mm-hmm. like that and you'd walk in and what most people know today but if um, if you walk into a Smith's today you just remember you know, the oil oils and all yep. back then in the 80s He-Man had its own oil Star Wars had its own oil Action Force well, it was G.I. Joe but we knew it was Action Force had its own oil and then there's all little smaller brands but literally an entire oil would be made up of Star Wars and the Falcon was re-released all the vehicles got re-released so it was great for new people discovering the movies and stuff and parents could afford them and were lucky enough to get them for Christmas or Verity or Communion or anything mm-hmm. like that um, so it was, just, it was just great springboarding and you had these you basically got to go off and make your own adventures with the characters and live the films on afterwards because back then it was just like there was no end to Star Wars Star Wars was never going away and then around 86, 87 no more toys were coming out the, uh, the famous Last 17 characters were all over done stores for like €1.49 stuff like that and people were just forgetting about it but a few of us were just like no this is in our heads so by that stage VHS was out and you could rewatch the films over and over and then on set of the 90s and then they came back with the, 20, the, the anniversary releases and then we found out episode 1 was coming so basically it's everything it, history started repeating itself like I still look at the Phantom Menace toys and go, they're new, <laughs> because back then, like the old vintage toys, classics or retro, when we call them now, 77s, but they were my gateway into toys and collecting. So, um, and again, just sitting there with friends, fond memories of me and my friends just sitting at the front of the house or going up to the flats in Hershey Flats and just sitting on the balcony and just bringing our toys along. Yeah. And then what happened? Or people went to school and um, discovered a lot more friends and they end up swapping some of my toys because I was getting concerned they were my toys, but yeah. my dad bought them, so yeah. he was concerned they were his as well. Uh, so I ended up swapping them and discovering, discovered Transformers. That was the first thing I discovered on my own, just through comics and things and all that. But Star Wars is where it all came back to in terms of imagination. And then that was the model maker as well, and we had the model kits. Uh, so I'd sit there and watch him build, and then he'd get, get me help glue a few bits or paint a few bits. So I started using my hands and putting stuff together. So it was just Star Wars was a trigger in that terms of like, just for me for millions around the world in yeah. terms of what I wanted to do in terms of whether we went off to do science stuff or went off to work in engineering or anything like that. But for me, the toys, um, is, look, you look at them now and they're crude as anything else, but they kicked off. Now, now you have fun- places like Funko and Super 7 making figures in the style of the 70s and 80s as well. Um, but it just revolutionised everything that we're doing today. Uh, and then in terms of collecting, um, over the years people were like, digging stuff out of a garden or in attics and everything else. And then so collectability became the thing. And then that's why you had now have things like limited edition or exclusives and everything else. But back then they didn't care. And that's what I was really to think about the other day. Well, after, after a while as well, if I had a toy line of stuff, if what I do is I re-release the main characters every so often because it gives everybody a chance to collect and to have them and just enjoy them for what they are instead of this whole bounty hunter motif of tracking down the best and the most limited edition or what's got this extra parts and everything else as well so and yeah basically my dad is what got me into it and I started collecting the toys and then I ended up swapping with a bunch of them kept a few like no one swaps the Fett man so I still have original Boba Fett and uh, a few other characters and bits and pieces from back in the childhood and then I got into my dad had a model shop in Berkeley Road and then uh, we ended up selling I ended up swapping a lot of stuff and selling a lot of stuff and then got more into the models and sculpting and mold making stuff like that and painting because when I was younger, I wanted to do animation and drawing was all I ever did, just copy Star Wars. Like, I remember even copy books, I'd draw like the John Luke's target computer, mm-hmm. and I should be paying attention in school, but instead I made my own little video game on a piece of paper, as I'd draw the grid, and I'd draw a little toy for it, and I'd put a little explosion beside it, and then just little do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, just little drawings, but little squares, I just wasn't paying attention in school type of thing, but still managed to get through it. Uh, so I was just constantly just you know, doodling, making things, everything else. So um, I've never, I don't think for the past 30 years I've ever said I would have been bored. 
I've always been doing something, so it's either making, collecting stuff, dealing stuff, selling stuff. Eventually, after, instead of swapping in the schoolyard and then making for toys and bits and pieces, and then we went to the shop and the same thing, we're swapping for cash and trading in things, and a few of my original toys went. And then it's weird, uh, a few years later, when I in Temple Bar, I ended up getting some of my own toys back because people I sold them just sold them back to me, mm-hmm. and then they went back out again. So it's good to see things going back around in history and somebody else enjoying them. And then a few weeks ago, um, an action force rubber skull I sold when I was about 12 came back to me when I was about 17 then I sold it again came back to me when I was 24 it's after coming back to me there last week the exact same ones the same markings and everything else so it's a weird old world so it's it's, it's kind of a nice thing to get into as well uh, there's positive sides but there's downsides to the collecting and toys and everything else um, but it's just it's, it's helped me meet a lot of people made some good friends made some good contacts made some people happy uh, help some people out in dire needs financially and stuff like that and then I get the I get the pick out for whatever I want to keep for myself so that's the downside of it space space is the enemy mm-hmm. ironically since Star Wars is set in space if I had the drum if I had the uh, badumts, I, I would have played by now yeah, we'll, we'll see if it, I can insert it in we'll add in later on yeah <laughs> this is, we're going to be punished with the puns here but it's actually funny that you mention that and we'll come on to some things which you mentioned which actually came up in the conversation with Kim and Ken. But when you were starting out then, did you have any idea that your collecting would eventually become your career? Because for those who, who aren't familiar with, with the name Jason Flood, you are known for being able to, let's say, get your hands on some pretty exclusive, rare and hard to find merchandise, which for the industry that you're in, word of mouth travels far and wide and reputation does mean an awful lot and that's essentially what you've built your your career on it, it, it does it's, it's, I've been very lucky in, in terms of um, the contacts and what I can get over the years and like um, people thought eBay kill us so no, just it's a tool new stuff and then there's other collectors and I know other people that got stuff over the years it's all it is the question of asking someone comes into me or contacts me I'm looking for this and I say leave it with me it might take three minutes it might take three weeks it might take three years but I'll, I had a good memory I know where to and I stay I'm good friends with most people Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so I got, I got good connections around the world and build up a little base um, over the years, and then I just brought that. I brought it's just a skill set, like like taking the stuff like that. It's just more involves little classic people, vehicles, models, and stuff like that, and comics and graphic novels. But it just got you know with most people for the most part, and it was just meeting other fellow collectors at other shows around the world and everything like that. But yeah, the the, the main thing is you can't BS your way through this. You either know it or not. And like I know Star Wars. Um, I don't, I'm not I'm not saying I'm the ultimate encyclopedia. I grew up with it. Um, I know most of the movies. Just the comics and up to a certain point the most of the EU stuff like um, and then there's the games and all the rest but I know a bit about everything bit, bit about everything is what it basically is just to, to research it and then there's other toy lines and other stuff as well then there'd be stuff like Power Rangers and stuff like that I wouldn't know but again the internet is there now you can go and look up things and everything else and can, by the time they came along I, was, I had I'd moved on from other stuff and it was just like I had Voltron so they're basically just Voltron for me um, so it was just an example, but now it's gotten. To, I still look at Power Rangers now, but it's, it's having its 20th anniversary. Yeah. So, it, like, there's two things that make me feel old. When, like, at the moment, the um, Star Wars Black Series figures are on their 40th anniversary for Return of the Jedi, and then you see your mates, kids, and everything else, and they're all grown. So every time you see them, you're like, oh, so you should be only this height and that size as well. So, um, but it's, again, they are telling you their first time they saw Star Wars, and you're telling their first time you saw it, and they can't believe there was no bits and pieces. Like, like you can't just watch it on your phone and stuff like that, or anything or pause it. Like, I think that's the difference between here and now is we actually just sat there and just paid attention, no um, distractions, no nothing. Like back then, people could smoke in the cinema and the half time, I remember um, in the Ewoks, in the 
in the um, Ewok Village scene where Luke and Leah are talking and all of a sudden the curtains come over because the movie's just a break so you can go out and toilet break and get more sweets and all the bits and pieces so loads of cinemas used to stop and then um, that was the day when you could actually stop and stay in the cinema when the film ended and come back on 10 minutes later type of thing as well so it was uh, like everybody look remembering this is a bit childhood and and, uh, uh, romanticised and stuff but I was blessed with a a great childhood uh, between my dad getting me into all this sort of stuff and it was a good positive type of thing to be in people were just like teenage years people you shouldn't have your transform you shouldn't have this toilet you should be getting rid of them but as I found I kept certain things and they became I found out that pre eBay as well that um, there were money or could get money for them. And at the same time, it's not what they should go for. It's like what can I, what do I want for them? And people say uh, on eBay and stuff like that. It's like that's the price that person wants for it. At the end of the day, anything you want is only as good as what you want to pay for it. It's, it's a, you just shop around, and that's I was kind of like a middleman. So when people said they knew a guy, I turned out most of the time I was that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just got lucky over the years meeting other collectors and other friends, and again we made good friends with other people, and just having access to, to um, collections and then my own as well. It's like the Kevin Smith story where he sold off all his command collection to make clerks and stuff like that. Get another Star Wars connection, <laughs> uh, um, but. Um, Overall, it's just right place, right time, and like I said, uh, just having a, a knowledge, and um, like, you can't BS this sort of stuff as well. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a fun, I didn't think back then, it'd be sound, it's something you would always would like him to do. Like, it's, it's still in the back of my head, I'd like to have a cinema slash video store slash, um, like, Planet Hollywood memorabilia type thing, mm-hmm. Big, and just put everything in glass cases on display, because it's just like, what's, it's like most people in their collections, it's, it's, it's determined by size. Um, and so you'd love it's, things are not good in boxes. There's people that want to collect stuff, leave them in the boxes. It's like my attitude is like, great, you're a warehouse attendant. But they're, you know, they're called action figures. They're supposed to be out and on the display, and that's what we found over the years. Like we were talking about Kim, that's why Kim and Ken and the work that they do. Kim's, I think that's what inspired me as well when I do the photographs for the website and uh, for any pictures I've ever done in the figures. Is is I, again, I, they're all etched into my brain. All his, uh, all his photographs and all the packaging over the years, because um, he's just basically. Uh, you were talking to him, like I didn't know if he's a fan or if he was dictated by Luke's film or by Kenner at the time or Palatoy as well, because they'd done the European distribution for the toys, but like of the scenes or anything. That he could to see the movies before we did and all the rest of it. So it's just you just have to think about this is the guy who basically all his work is being etched into our brains over the past yeah. years. And like some people are lucky enough or just really want or go out and pay for it as well. They want the original boxes and stuff like that. Back then we didn't know these were going to be collectibles or people are going to go for mad money like the like resurgence of vinyl right now. Uh, and that people like myself just basically got the box tore up and just basically got the toy fighter out and just flying around the room with it. Yeah. And then again for the sheer size of them, like the three three quarter scale um, was something else. Like I, I photographed me as a kid in the front room and there's times in my bedroom where uh, I, I wouldn't tell me about don't make the bed because I've made up a mountain display out of duvet and they have the walker here and I have the scout walker there and the snow troopers up in the corner and uh, all more imperials here and the rebels are hiding under the pillow and eventually became an action force display but it was just like no I have my little base of toys but there's photographs yeah, and you yeah. look at the, the walker you look at the I remember going to Christmas mass with the rebel transporter because I knew it was going to be grannies afterwards so I was bringing all my toys with me mm-hmm. everything yeah, around so it was just a sheer size of them and now we have the black series <laughs> as well so space is what comes down to it with the collectors and so uh, and then myself as well so it's just like in terms of did I think I'd, and I, the dream was to always kind of make money from it or to live off it as well but it's just it's it's not easy and you're, now with the power of the internet and all it, 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 it's helping a hindrance because you're up against everybody else in the world as well but at the same time you can reach out and get stuff 
other people. So it wasn't always ahead of the curve or anything like that. It was, again, it was just getting on with people and know what people wanted. And then I had a knack for um, every time stuff was going cheap in the shop, like, traveling around the countryside or like Tuthills and stuff like that. And you see like Shrek figures or men and black figures going cheap. So I'd buy a bunch of them. Two or three years later, they're going for like four or five times the price. Or someone decided I just watched the Shrek films there for the first time with the young for the or the, or the door and I just want to get Shrek figures and I said oh I've got the dragon I've got this and that and then a few quid later so they're happy I'm happy and only cost say something cost me five so for 25 so I got to, I didn't do business studies or it wasn't great at maths in school but I just learned this afterwards that I became like um, not exactly um, Del Boy that's more of my cousin <laughs> uh, Anthony but um, <laughs> it's his idol it's, but I just found a knack for it that I could actually it wasn't like wasn't like using the force and just saying no you will take these imperial credits type thing it's just like if you want it I can get it for you and look here's the final thing there's only been a handful of people like haggling here and there for the most part people are just happy with the fact that I could actually say it like it only happened earlier on somebody's looking for something messaged me and said let's see what I can do and within two minutes texting back says yeah I'll have that for you next week because I know I've got, actually it's weird that's part of the trading I'm getting in so it's just there is a weird cohesion and something going on in the universe it's not exactly the force but it's it's actually just something out there where it's just good fortune good time and so i'm just part of it but it is funny that you mentioned that and that is something we have previously discussed and um, when we ju- we just been you know talking and passing is number one that the industry that you are in you can't bs it in any way you either have the contacts the experience the expertise or you don't but that's one thing that i sort of suppose flies under the radar for particularly what you for what you do is that networking is so important and maybe I look at it a little bit too black and white but looking in from the outside reputation in your field is everything oh, well it's, it's it's good to know that like people just say recommend me to because I got a phone call later on someone else looking for something and they was able to say look leave it with me and that's a mission for me it's like it's basically a bounty hunter well, it's a bit of a more positive type of thing, is not putting anybody in carbon like just yet. Uh, but the yeah, I just found it, it's not something I pride myself on. You can't have ego or anything like that as well. And people say you can, you can kind of build up a character, and people, but for most of the time, some people won't agree with this. But what you see is what you get with me, and things like like even just like, like underneath the baseball cap here is the Death Star plans. So it's just basically I've got Boba Fett tattoos, I've got this and that. It says decked out so it's not as if this is a uniform this is what I wear day in day out anyway mm-hmm. it's, it's any anybody that knows me I'm wearing a t-shirt there's a character or it's a band or it's a movie or it's something it's it's, it's something else I'm more relaxed I'm just in jeans runners just like that so technically I'm still a teenager running around it's just I'm like the Millennium Falcon every so often my body will make the <laughs> sound so I know I am breaking down eventually and then when you see stuff like 40th anniversary return to Jedi you're like oh yeah it's a number but the, yeah, just in terms of, like, there's a lot of great shops out there and, and dealers and people and international um, websites and everything else. And then it's, it's just good to know that like every so often when people see me or refer to me or people see me in uh, shows and stuff, because I haven't been, COVID and all the rest of it, a lot of people didn't um, go and venture to town or anywhere for a while. So um, now at Dublin Comic Con, back in a lot of other little conventions and stuff, it's good to get back out on the road and see the people and physically banter, because now with um, Heroes and Villains, what I have now, is a, it's a, an online store, but I'm able to post stuff out to people, or I meet them to see. So like now, I'd actually be in other coffee shops or other, sometimes pubs or restaurants, and just go, just go catch up with people, but it ends up into a night out and stuff like that. So there's a kind of nice little uh, balance, like the balance of the force as well. This is going to be very Star Wars intensive. I love it. Uh, but it's um, beach well, well, but it, um, it's it, it's fun. It's, it's it's what I do at the moment, and like like life, life throws things at you. So it's 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 just it's this is the way I not deal with things, but it's just it's part of it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good work life balance, and um, it's, for over the, over the years, it's there's been either a bit too much work or a bit too much of this. But it's it's everything always balances out at the end of the day, and as long as it's, as long as everybody's happy, the person gets the thing. Are you Goldilocks now? 
I don't know. I'm not sleeping. I'm not going to different beds. I'm happy with just the one. <laughs> but it, and this is just, the hair is just. I got a haircut, so I'm not that bad. Um, but it's 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 a fun thing. It's, it's rewarding as well, um, not just like financially, but just when you when someone you get something that they really wanted, or you got something that you wanted for their kid or for their friend and stuff like that as well. So that's why I always say on the on your post I put up, if you want to treat yourself, I treat someone else to a surprise delivery. Because I found that's what happens a lot is somebody message me, buy something off me, but puts a note to say, hey, can you take the price off it, or it's actually going to someone else. So I make sure, yeah, definitely prices off it and leave a little note or a little drawing if it's from them. Like, um, someone got a comp. Uh, a woman contacted me there through another friend uh, saying that she wanted to get a comic for her daughter and she's only starting into comics so I just drew on the little receipt type of thing just drew a little picture and said I hope you enjoyed this and then she referred me to more people again this was just to do again it's word of mouth the networking it was just it wasn't even about that it was just me doing something nice that also I always, I always try to treat people the way I want to be treated like if I walk into a shop or if I'm on a website so basically that per- like, like yourself you're, the only person right here is yourself so I'm going to talk to you I'm not going to look that person over there here you're the, you're the customer even if it's online or over text message on a phone call you right now you're the most important person at the moment so and like business as usual all the rest of it but in bands basically yep yeah, as long as the person is getting what they want and you want a conversation and a bit of laugh that's what it is so it's just a bit of bit customer service now I'm lucky enough I've got a couple of focal I can talk a bit and it's like, again not BS but it's like some people might call it differently but it's um, it's part it's part of the package, and that's what I learned over the years. Like again, I have no formal training in shopping or anything. So I came from like dad used to work in the before he had the shop up in Berkeley Road. We were in Motor Redcaps Market up in Christchurch. Used to be up there, and same thing. Around the time of Batman, again everything was typical. Around the probably '89 Batman came out. I was collecting the model kits, selling me Star Wars stuff to buy models, and now and now I'm selling a lot of me Batman '89 stuff to fund other stuff as well as well. So what happened is I kept stuff over the years, and now it's coming in handy because it's going to be used in displays and it's going to go to other people's collections and pay a few bills is more or less what's going to happen but um in th- yeah word of mouth uh, was very important and that's social media um, something i found myself doing in, in other company other shops and stores i was working in was and then just for myself um because I, I liked again we came from an age where you had to take a photograph and you got it back in two weeks or video cameras where you're agfed little video things like i remember the time return to jedi came out in darangitz and brown thomas had little toy displays and we could go in i'd love to do something like that it's like when you exhibition like in comic-con and stuff like that um but we, they had like life-size displays with yoda the royal guard they were playing the trailer for return to jedi over and over and my dad has it on like an agfa eight mil type thing but mm-hmm. he brought a tape recorder so the thing you have here in front that looks like the imperial probe droid imagine walking around a big um huge tape recorder this little video camera and then to re-watch it we watched it on a little six by three screen with no audio but you had to put the tape on record to watch it so and we were glued to this watching it over and over because again this is like three weeks before return of the jedi came out it's as close as we got to like super bowl kind of trailers so um it's just again everything we talk about just brings back memories and bits and pieces so well you've actually hit the nail on the head and this is this is something that we talked to Ki- kim and ken this is what i wanted to ask you about as well the the mention and, and it came from me as well was that we talk about that feeling of nostalgia and as I was saying to Ken and Kim if, if, if only we knew back then the importance of the packaging that nowadays it's just about as much as the packaging as it is the, the figures it is mental I have a friend Dave and he's uh, you see him at Comic Con as well he wheels and deals as well and he's trying to finish like, probably has at this stage he collects all the vintage stuff as well and he went and beyond eBay and on talking to other collection and they were buying inserts to put in like the original cardboard yep. inserts to put back into it. So it's like like um, fair balls and like trying to just again you're you're chasing it's a lot easier now. Um, you can cheat now and like people are making their own bubbles for the cards and people are reprinting and then some of the new some of the retro toys are actually reproducing the, the 
sorry, the um, the packaging as well. So it's just the only difference is it'll have like retro. Because some people will try to pass her off as original toys, but they're not. They're, they're all not, brand yeah. new. They're just basically looks like new He-Man Origins as well, and Transformers get reissued in the original packaging. Against nostalgia factor, it's like albums coming out now and on, on vinyl and stuff like that. But yeah, the nostalgia. It's just it's it's not overwhelming. It's just it's actually really positive, and then it brings back memories for. A, people of our age and everything else and then pe- and then there was kids who inherited stuff off the road your older brothers and uh, sisters just count. Get, my sister played with Star Wars as well more than she played with Cindy or Barbie and things like that so she remembers all that stuff but again the packaging back then if we knew what we knew back then and because even now there's um, sublines and Hot Toys and G.I. Joe Classified and you see, them on, you see them on sites and people are selling the packaging they're keeping the figure and because you have all these impact collectors and people want to have completionists or just want to have a packaging behind the figure on display so yep. if you have the space once you buy it you can do what you want where you can leave it in the box or you can take her out but my preference is take her out um, some packaging I will keep most of it I'll just get rid of because again it's recycling and then that's why um, on like Heroes of Villains we do on other shops as well do it, we buy back in collections and people that was one thing people would say if I buy this now how much does it work next week and goes about the same this is, it's not it's not you're buying to, Again, it comes back to the whole, if you're buying toys and comics as investments, there's no, no guarantee. No, absolutely, absolutely not. It's like buying a car. It says as soon as you open a comic, it's, it's down a grade or whatever. I'm not, in, I'm not into the CGC stuff, but it's basically being taken down a grade or fingerprints and smudges once oil's gone. Basically, you, got the, you get that comic, you put it into a Moilar bag, seal it straight away as soon as you got it, send it off to the CGC, they put it into a... The, the, the protector. The, the protector, yeah. And they, that way you can't open it again. So that's why a lot of people end up buying two comics, one to read, one to put away, hoping it'll go up. So... But the thing is, we don't know if that's that. Like back then, we don't know. We didn't know Damian Wayne was going to be this big character. We didn't know these other people. The de- and obviously going to be bigger now with the announcement from the DC side exactly. of things. So that's why it's a lot of uh, Damian stuff I had. It's, again, I'm lucky. Like I don't know, it's like intuition or stuff. I put up a load of Damian stuff a few weeks ago before the, the announcement and stuff, and so people contacting. I think just as an example, there's other like deaths. Because most, I'm trying to explain to most people, like in the comic world, unless there's a, a debt of a family, a debt of a character, or a first appearance of a character, or a major incident that references the movie, the comic prices stay more or less. It stabilizes, close, yeah. Stay close to the original price. It just comes down to what again, look at everything, but you, whatever you want to pay for it. So you can find dead, you can find a new mutants first appearance of Deadpool for this price, or you can find it for that price. The thing is, if you just want to read it, get it for the lowest price you can get. If you just want to have it and just say, I have to comic, like it might be a bit tired, might be a bit warm, but that just means it's being used, it's being enjoyed, it's it's passing on um, the enjoyments. And the, and the base, again, all comes back to the whole merchandise. It's entertainment. That's what all this is, is for us. So, but for some people, it's, no, I need to have everything. For other people, it's, no, I want to buy this and sell it for double or triple the price. So it's, it's, it's good and bad thing, the elements about it as well. But the um, for me, it's... It's, it's fun, it's enjoyments, and like I said, if I can make a few bob off it, that's even better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know you can relate to that, and it, it's actually funny because I remember when Doctor Strange was coming out first, and I was a Strange fan, essentially, from, from day one, and we obviously chatted about that for a while, and I actually remember, if you went, remember when I went on holiday, I went to the flea market, and one of my dream things to ever get was a forced edition Doctor Strange in the Shambhala. And I remember when I went to the flea market, when I got back, the first person I actually talked to and I came into was you. Oh, you and it was like you were yeah. genuinely excited that I actually managed to find it. No, no, because that's, that's actually a good thing because I've been there as well plenty of times. I wish more people could experience it as well. Like, I, I get to the stage where it's just like, is this all part of the Matrix or what's going on? Because the amount of stuff that I've just basically went in my head you know, one day I'd like to find that, and then three weeks, three years, or wherever else, it actually comes my way. It's scary. Like there's a bunch of tra- get through trade-ins or just be look, going out looking for myself. 
recently I just thought certain transformers like I would have liked just to get that just the transformer just the experience of it and like yep. no space for it got a, got a message a few days later and the guy just offered it to me and I was like well uh, who's listening to all this it's uh, it's great and then other, again like I said other people were coming into me the quickest one was when I was in a Temple Bar and we had Model Mania up there someone came in to me looking for a um, McFarlane toys Sleepy Hollow the Headless Horseman yes. it's a very nice piece have one myself and they actually came in and said they were looking for that and I said look give me your details and I'll see what I can do three minutes later someone walked in with a box of stuff and what was sitting on top of it the Headless Horseman so it just done the deal and five minutes later I was on the phone back to your man going he's still in town yeah come back up here with a surprise for you and so but the thing is I created a monster because he expected me to have everything he ever wanted after that and I said no I do have like, some challenges so there's a few that I'd say I have about 90% success rate with anything I've been trying to track down for people that came my way over the years and then stuff for myself was just I've, I've been lucky enough I've come across like loads of exclusives or hard to find things and again dealing with people in the US and, and um, Australia and then what happened is we got stuff here in Europe and especially after Star Wars, and when they start all hitting the bargain shops and everything else, there was stuff that came out here that never made never it to the ma- States. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Argentina or Australia or parts of Europe as well. Mm-hmm. And not just in terms of uh, Star Wars, there was, again, Action Force slash G.I. Joe, Transformers, Robo Machines, GoBots, that type of thing. And loads of uh, kind of obscure knockoffs of He-Man and stuff. You remember the muscular bodies and all types of creatures and yep. barbarians and visionaries. And, you know, like, the 80s was a golden age for all sorts as well. Um, but the, uh, yep, it's just, it's, it's, it's mad how, um, you, I've, been, I've been around the world, I've been lucky enough to go travel to Japan, Australia, America with friends, and the first thing I do anywhere I'm going anywhere is look up all the local comic shops, all the local toy shops, and go hunting. So I remember going, when bunch of us went off on our friends' honeymoon to New York, and I ended up coming back with loads of Revenge of the Sith stuff, and uh, very first hot toy. Which led me down a very dark, dark spiral. Yeah, there. likewise. Because at that stage, I was like making models and painting one six scale figures, and Hot Toys came out, and it's just like they're poseable. They're better painted than what I could do. They're a bit cheaper, and they're already they're already assembled. They're all well. At this stage, we still had to assemble the Hot Toy figure, like the Predators. Yeah. And I was just like, this is a game changer. And look where we are now, years later. And the one six scale at present is probably still the go-to for, let's say, any of the shall we maybe say the collectors who are maybe hoping to get something that's maybe return value yeah yeah investment wise yes. yeah, Hot Toys was the gold standard for a while and just on the, in the past few years between the price of plastic and oil and all the rest of you a lot of people have either left it or migrated to this new um, like some Mezco like 112 loads of new companies came out and just started uh, Beast Kingdom uh, and play on Super 7 and started going back to like a 7 inch 8 inch scale McFarland toys at the moment gone back to making uh, for years it was just like a fixed pose figure oh he is just he's just revolutionised the toy industry again with you know, making super affordable Batman DC figure I haven't seen a, a toy company like him since say Kenner um, just release so much product and just keep her at a certain price and other companies are releasing certain, certain size figures at the same time and just like double triple the price as well and they're easily accessible as well to most people is in, in the DC stuff so it'd be interesting to see what he does overnight and again his own baby spawn so he's still doing his spawn has been a bit of resurgence and uh, that's come out so in terms of like people that inspire me he'd be one of them actually got looking got to meet him a few times as well so just talk business and all so at the end of the day main thing was it's your money. He invested in the company. He didn't sell off to Mattel or anything like that. It was his product. So if he makes a call to make a figure and it doesn't sell, it comes on him. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I employed the same thing in business. I was involved in the foundry and other bits and pieces. I met loads of great, great people there as well. So I was like, it, 
it comes back to the whole no sacrifice, no victory type thing as well. So it, nice Transformers reference, by the way. There, I uh, yeah, have to get that in somewhere as well. Everywhere. There we go. Off the sunny was yeah, there. Yeah. But um, keep on trucking. Oh yeah. <laughs> but in, in terms of that though, and this is actually something that I maybe want to ask you from the collector side. That we already mentioned the nostalgia and the importance of the the packaging, and obviously the work that the likes of Ken and Kim are doing. I mean, Kim was Kim was a trendsetter. The stuff that he was doing was the Star Wars. And now, in a roundabout way, despite us being in the modern and digital age, we're seeing the return to the vinyl slash retro packaging and figure style. Why do you think that is specifically? Is is there is there fully a demand for it, or is it a case of it's just branching out into something else? It's it's both. It's the nostalgia factor, and it's also the fact is like loads of people like me who grew up with all this stuff are now working in the industry. Like if I had my way of working with. Hasbro, Kangaroo, like Hot Toys. I didn't think of that actually for people working in the industry. I didn't actually. Now it's it's again. If I was working in Hasbro, I'd just like draw me to the Transformers. I knew the characters I wanted to see and uh, what designs and stuff like that and everything else. And people like Nick Roach, like uh, a local Irish artist from Wexford, he's looking if he's working on an Earthspark cartoon. But years years ago, he worked on IDW Comics and he got to work with Hasbro and got to design some figures. So there's really cool things like that. So I was actually super excited the first time I met uh, Nick. Because it was just like, yay, you're one of us. It's like when you got your Doctor Strange comic. It was just like, I know what it was like for you to find it. Because I've found hundreds of things like that. So I've had that experience. It's, it's my drug. Genuinely couldn't believe it. Plastic crack. That's what, again, plastic crack. But as people say plastic, I'm okay with it. Just don't call me a crack dealer. But uh, yeah, plastic crack is right. Because like, they need to fix it. It's, every get that new toy, you go back to the whole, you, it's, it's the whole retro and the whole just repackaging things. You're being transported back to the age you were when you first experienced this. Or if you saw, if I feel sorry for kids these days because um, they're seeing things on YouTube and going, oh, I like that, and then coming to me and going, oh, I want this. It goes, this saw it on YouTube. This is a toy from like 1998, 2004. And you have to explain to me, can't order it in, and then there's a lot of kids with, um, on the spectrum or special needs, and you, know, you have to kind of be a bit more um, just informative with them or just bring it down to them again, and just be kind of a bit more understanding and just say, and just say, look, we can't get you that one, but we can try and find something else. So yeah, it's just trying to be fair to everybody else. It's not, it's not fair on them because they just see these things and it's like it was with ads on TV like Christmas for me was like it only starts two weeks before because the ads used to come on for all the toys and Argos and everything else back in the day uh, and then Castle Grayskull and all the great ads and everything else but the in terms of collection it's, 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 I, I think it's a bit of um, it's the demand for it because the retro like the He-Man stuff and at the moment I'm knocking them out every, every few days the Star Wars retro card series can't keep them in stock yeah. uh, and that's what brings me back to the whole back when Kenga released in the day is they were constantly releasing the same figures and so it was fair I hadn't seen that in up to about say when Playmates brought out the first batch of Ninja Turtles when Turtle Fever caught out every few waves they'd release the original Turtles again and the original characters so it just it made it fair it made an even game it wasn't about the, it wasn't about um, all this one-upmanship of this term scalpers where people go in and buy all the figure and sell it at jack the price uh, um, on, the, on the internet now it was basically every time the films came out you had another chance to get the, the toys all over again so it's it's kind of a practice i'd like to see toy companies go back to As, from a business point of view people are going to get mad because you're going to cut off your collecting like double the price, price. no but if i can constantly sell a boba fett or a stormtrooper or, or darth vader like there's always new kid people discovering star wars all the time so i got to the stage in the nights where people are like what star wars I'm like what do you mean you haven't seen star wars again you meet more people at school and all the rest and I just got to the stage where people forgot about it whereas for me it was part of my life and yeah. everything else uh, but um, yeah the likes of Kim and Ken 
Again, I would love to sit down with him and just be like, um, I'll, like I'll, I'll listen to the episode when it comes on. Uh, like, what did he enjoy what he's doing? And did he well, he is it? going to come on and do a full episode with us as well, talking about it because his Kickstarter roman at the moment is re-releasing the um, the old Star Wars uh, photography, the nineteen seventy seven seven, the the old Kenner photography. It's going to be a, a new edition on Kickstarter, so he's going to come on and do a full talk about that. So. There you go. You heard the advertisement here first. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's similar to um, a couple of guys I know, Paddy Lang and Brian Hickey. They've done the same for their fans of Action Force. So they went yes. and tracked down the Palatoy and they released total um, a total action and against the history of the toys over in this part of the world and what they meant to people as well so it's, and again went and tracked down um, photographs got the original toys redone made new photos and sets and design uh, um, scenes using the, the old toys and then tracked down as much old reference material and the designers as they could as well so um, in terms of the packaging again it's, 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 it's like back to the future every for me toy, toys are like time travel yeah uh, and then old comics as well and I can remember there's a smell off comics like um, there was a shot in um, the Olex Centre it was, my favourite shop was Paddy Barrett's growing up it's, it's where, kind of where um, the entrance to the Jervis shopping centre is now on, uh, on, on Henry Street and um, another shop was in the back of the Oilac centre basically where McDonald's Burger King is towards the dormitory entrance and it was just a really old today you say it's a real old fashioned toy shop because it's all wooden shelves and little same as like what kind of Mr Calculator used to be if I kind remember you'd get everything in there yeah exactly and I, just, I remember and there was a little shop up in Camden up in Camden Street uh, Angel Street and um, so again just like, an, like it was like Frank it was like a, a discount shop but at the same time it was like a local household shop and there's just certain figures I remember getting at certain times and the smell like the smell of the toy fire pilot and then there was a smell of a certain smell off of um, hot um, Luke Skywalker and his hot gear and it's just a pla- it was just in terms of packaging. Like now I work at poly, now I work at resins and vinyls and polyurethanes and all sorts. No, they're not. And then respirators and all that. But it's just the same. People have the it's a call, it's like new car smells, new toy smell. You get it from your hot toys and everything else. And the, it's just it's, there were certain products back in the eighties, and just every so often you'll get the whiff and it'll transport you back to them. So between the packaging, the figures, the visuals, and now the smells people are just it's just, it is basically a time travel. And you just for most people, it's a good memory. Um, and it brings you back to times and like probably people have passed on from their family back then to sit down and talk with brothers and uncles and aunties and mothers and stuff like that as well so um, it's, a, it's a positive thing but at the moment people are probably going oh we remember buying this for 199 but I remember seeing I still have cards and I still have iron stickers on them and um, Roach's store stickers and stuff like that as well so um, that's the thing is some people want the total package as in they want the tears the wear and the, the scores or where they slice the tape the character marks yeah all the rest of it and then that's it. so you have a, you have a, you have a people who want the original originals as in they'll go track down eBay and they'll try and put the bubbles back on and then pack them to the wall. Then people are happy enough just to have the reproduction, which is what's on sale now yeah. and what comes in. But it just comes again it comes down to what you want to pay for it and the availability of them as well. It definitely does, and I think it, it would be remiss of us if if we didn't mention that. Obviously, we are huge nerds, geeks, dweebs, whatever you prefer what? to call us. Like fans. fans. Just, I've yeah. had this conversation with so many people. Like, no, people say you're a nerd, you're a geek. And I says, no, I'm a fan. This is, it's like saying somebody's a Man United nerd or a <laughs> Liverpool geek and yeah. stuff like that. And it says, do I bite the heads off chickens? No, not, well, not in public anyway. <laughs> but um, it's not, it's just we're, fan, we're all fans of this. It's just some people go, oh, but it's not real. It goes, no, but it's inspiring. It's a, it's a, it's a, sport, it's a, it's a story. It's, a, it's books you've read, history and stuff like that. And again, in terms of what's done for the world, in terms of uh, you, you can basically pinpoint George Lucas makes a movie and says, how does that in, how does that influence medical science? He goes, well, the people who went to work with Pixar and this and that and designed computers and designed, oh, we can use this for cameras and technology to go in and map, map people's brains and find out about diseases. And people, I never thought that we're not supposed to think about it. We're supposed to enjoy the movie and it's good. 
perfect action it's a basic adventure movie it has everything romance action despair like that's Empire's Force Strikes Back is the first one I remember going oh bad things can happen to good people and things like that because again we not we weren't drowned about everything like in the world and all these the streaming sites and all these other movies that came on shows that were inspired but in comics like we've got to the stage where it everything's been done kind of thing it's just everything's a new spin like there's a certain Batman comics that came out in past years and they're just rehashing old ideas just everything old is new again like you don't mind that when it's it's done good like say Battlestar Galactic a few years like just taking the core elements and just putting a new spin on it and a bit of a twist here and there so it's like when it's the pre- when the, back when the prequels came out everybody was a lot of people I was happy with them but could have been better but again p- people hate them them people now love them and yeah. now it's the sequels that are getting all the hate and again I have my issues with the sequels but again like, you can have the original Star Wars you can lock her off the tree if you want you can have the 4, 6 and now if you want you can have the whole 9 it's entirely what you want to do with it and even with the toys if you want to sit there and have your G.I. Joe Snake Eyes play with Bosk and go off on a mission it's entirely up to you what you want to do with yeah. them yeah, so don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do in terms of your toys and anything else so you can't have but again with all these people the judgment police and all the rest of it so if you want to call yourself a geek and they're not basically for the record I only brought that up because we've had that story before so I knew you'd I knew you'd go out for pushing buttons (laughs) but yeah as fans um, we would be remiss if we didn't so to go on to the real story now we would be remiss if we didn't mention that within let's say all of the fandoms that we know and love He-Man the McFarlane whatever the case may be we are blessed with Irish talent. For example, the work that Kevin Keane is doing on oh, Spawn yeah. is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. We'd obviously mentioned, we don't even need to mention Dex Shelby for the incredible work he's doing with Will Sliney, Steve Loads of people were leaving out, but uh, Nick Roach off the top of the head and Garth Ennis and stuff like yeah, People have been trailblazers on the year, but I've been lucky enough um, through other shops and conventions over the past few years to meet these people that they're uh, just, as they've gone to the careers, and it's great to see the trajectory. The trajectory they've gone on, they've yeah. Gone, yeah. And, and seeing them, I think most of them have worked for Marvel at this stage or DC and so it's great to see them go from and, do their, and some are doing their own indie stuff Scaring Hood from Nick and um, uh, uh, Half Past Danger from Stephen uh, Will's doing Hell to Pay at the moment and then Will on TV uh, like with his story with break. the Sky so Series and story there, time, yeah, yeah. And again that's stuff I love seeing because again I grew I wanted I wanted I love drawing again past didn't have the internet oh, but done my head in over not not just during Covid but remember the snow big snow a few years ago yeah I was, it was like snow day. I was like, yeah, I was taking up figures and messing um, works out, and they're basically just putting, taking pictures of snow. And I was looking forward to like two or three days. I could just catch up and stuff or read comics and everything. The amount of people were in twelve hours. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Yeah. You have the internet. You have video games. You have movies on demand. You have books. You have everything else. You can go make stuff. You go and play the snow. How are you bored? So, um, but to see all these people, basically, say creative people, and they have like, like myself, they, like, like every human, they're all they have their doubts and the things and praises and they have the good days and bad days but to see the work they're putting out there and again they're putting it out there and to see um, the likes of um, Will he's the modern Don Conroy and so that's what I feel inspired by. and then he's going he's, he's using Twitter the way he, again he probably because he probably watched all these programs as well and he's doing same as me I'm doing what I learned from other people yeah. and he's now trying to inspire younger kids to get into art and get drawn and I was kind of against digital art digital drawing for a while because only years ago um, got me a tablet and I just couldn't figure it out it was more traditional I wanted to, not great arts but I had fun I enjoyed what I did yeah. but it was all pen and paper and then I tried scanning them into the computer and trying to colour them in on the computer and it, was just, it wasn't for me I didn't have the proper software or time because um, again I, when I left school I wanted to do animation but there was nowhere around Murakami Wolf was making a turtle cartoon up in Dawson Street and Blue I think it just closed down 
and then I, I went to work for resins and chemicals and bits and things. So again, brought me more towards the toy industry mm-hmm. design type of thing. I'm going to make models and statues and all stuff that come in handy later. But only then did Dunleary start up with the animation programs and everything else. So where I, um, when I was working in other shops and when I hear and then I, when I come to Comic Con, I see all these kids. And what I tell them, I've even, I've even done talks and skills with this, is um, keep just draw, 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 and just do everything. It doesn't matter if it's digital, um, or it's on paper, but keep all your stuff, and what you do is use the internet to your full advantage, it's a tool. So if you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, Facebook, just keep putting your drawings up there, it's Kevin, Kim and the rest of them, just put it up there, you never know who's going to see it. And all of that, and just, nobody's out, nobody's out to criticize you, they'll probably give you like little ideas, or like, look, fix this, and the thing with digital is, if your boy steps a bit big, you can go in and fix it, without having to redraw the whole thing. And again, Will's a great ambassador for all that as well. And just really reaching out to the kids and just inspiring them and just saying, look, just keep drawing, drawing, drawing. And as long as you're enjoying it, you'd never know what's going to happen. You can get a career over it. Like my, my mom saw me drawing years because she obviously wanted me to be an architect. I said, no, I cannot draw a straight line. I'm not going to be drawing a circle and straight lines. I want to draw Elf. I want to draw Thunderbirds. I want to draw this. I want to draw. Again, this is for fun. Yeah. Uh, and Ninja Turtles and all that. So, um, and then, but it's great that if, if I know my limitations and this is what I'm good at, but collecting comics, reading comics, and if I feel like doing a drawing, I'll do a drawing for myself. Yeah. And everything else. And again, or drawing for somebody or a commission type thing. But again, it just kids out there, if you just use the internet like yeah. in a positive way, as in put your stuff up there, don't mind criticism, don't mind people saying this, saying that. You never know who's going to see it, give you a bit of advice, or be like, oh, I like that. And I think in that environment as well, in the digital age, that's one thing that we can say about the art community is that there are artists supporting artists, that yeah. there's always the chance of a share or a retweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, even some artists passing by saying, you know, love your work, keep up. Like, I do see so many of that online, and I'm thinking, that's what social media and the internet should be. Yeah, look, back years ago, like, when Comic-Con's first came along, people were, uh, it was just basic comics, and that's when you have, when you, the people hear of Comic-Con now, they think manga, guests, TV, game announcements, all that, but there's a few a few people out there just like pure comics, comics, that's what they were. It was basically just a little, like I remember just going to little shows in, in, um, in the 90s and stuff like that, just little things here, you get like a guest artist, guest writer, and just have a table, and other dealers be there getting stuff, and then we start going off to shows in Birmingham and just being exposed to the bigger world and then you go around the place but again these people it's, it's like actors as well people think oh these are all people are all rich and everything else no they're, they're just as soon as people stop making a film or a TV show that, and get the last paycheck that's it that's their unemployed it's on to the next job so people go Clooney's a millionaire I said yeah he invested money he's done that but as soon as he finishes a film he's technically unemployed and the same for all the actors and bits and pieces going to comic cons and stuff like that it's a Years ago, Comic Cons were seeing as uh, the end of your career if you're at Comic Con, but now it's it's like it's it's a, it's a gig in between jobs, in between doing an acting job, and that's why people don't get that. If you if a guest has to duck out, be it a comic artist or a writer or a movie star, it's because they have a deadline to finish or something came up or they have to go off and do a job. So, um, so that's the other thing is like, I'm glad for all these people who are got, got the talent and combined it with making a business. Like it's, it's, I wouldn't put myself in the same category, then, but I'm just blessed that I was able to make money off my skills and what I enjoy doing. And we should mention then from the Ireland side of things, um, Ireland is now obviously forever etched in the heart of Star Wars. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for whatever you may think about the sequels, if, looking at it from the broader picture, what that did for the likes of tourism and business in Ireland was enormous. But even then, I don't think there are some people who are aware quite to the, the depth that Ireland is etched in Star Wars. I mean, we, we mentioned Will Sliney there. Will was chosen with Charles Soule doing the Kylo Ren comic which was absolutely outstanding and which was technically the first sort of, of foreshadowing the era, of the yeah. High Republic yeah. which which was enormous and then for anyone who's familiar we interviewed uh, Rory Coleman uh, quite recently his his stuff that he did on 
uh, Rebels comics and Timothy was sensational. But then when we talk about coming into the gaming side of things, Shamrock, for those who weren't were actually worked on Fallen Order. And now we actually have Cartoon Saloon, who were an Irish studio who are working on season two of Star Wars Visions. So I think it says an awful lot about the talents and how deep the roots of Ireland are within Star Wars and vice versa. Yeah, look, it just, it just go off tangent there. Like, it's same in the 80s and 90s. Um, so, uh, Don Bluth and uh, the studios were yeah. over here, and in the 90s, uh, a bunch of Disney people came over and took a bunch of students from Dunleary and from Ballyfermot and brought them brought off to work in yeah. So, again, it's it's the technology. It's like the likes of, remember, many years ago with Nick Roach, and it's just like, um, f- like for years ago, some informant from Transformers, Jeffy and my idols growing up in their style, and it's blessed that I actually got to meet them. And Nick was there as well and the tours are just like like way and guard we're not worthy and like the best thing I mean I've been very lucky that most of these famous people looking accused of being a name dropper they've turned to be super sound and actually just they've exactly what you want them to be and they're all down to their people like most people what they say when I go meet this famous person is the first thing they say say hello yeah. that's it they're there to meet you as much as you're there to meet them as well so and most of them are going to be might have a bad day or something like that but they're, they're professionals they're, they know you're there to meet them so if the person is sound they're going to be like hi how's it going like whatever might be going on or do we have an absolutely super day and you'll, like Michael Rucker a few years ago who ended up picking up people and traveling around the place still potentially one of the best guests that have ever been at Dublin Comic Con oh, just he, an absolute gentleman he became the mayor of Comic Con uh, mayor of Dublin that weekend put me in a headlock and all sorts uh, and again, just loads of people have loads of stories with him but yeah he was great and um, you never know he might come back someday but um it was just it's just great in terms of Ireland, um, like saying all these studios. But the power of the internet. I remember with Nick uh, saying he like years ago against Tom the Simon and Jeff. They used to go to an office in London and work for Marvel UK. Whereas like Nick, he could still work from home, scan the stuff, mm-hmm. send it off to IDW over in San Diego. And it's it's mad how he, a few weeks later, he come, a few months later, he had this finished issue in his hand, and he's like, yay! It's like deli- we're all delighted. From he's like he's one of us, and he's now doing what we all like to be doing. What he likes to do is forced. In a way, it was a bit of a hindrance because people just knew the Transformer guy. He's like, can you draw humans? Because just draw robots the whole time. But his dream job was his first major job, and he got to jump straight into what he wanted to do. Through again, through his hard work and through his talent and stuff like that. So again, there's any kid or anything like that who just has an interest in it, and they're thinking, oh, I can't do it. Everybody else thought the same thing. It says, yeah. it's it is a bit of right place, right time, but just keep at it. And it says, it's like most relatives say, if it's for you, it's for you. Yeah. Uh, but the, there's a lot of talent out there, and I say just use that tool of the internet right now. Like, don't spend too much time reading conspiracy theories or online things about celebrities or that. Just keep, if you've got work, if you've got animation, if you've got um, sculptures, and like that, just throw her up there. And you, again, you'll never know who's going to see it. Nope, you, you never do. And speaking of being surrounded by like minded folks, this year is obviously a very, very important But We mentioned Michael Roker becoming the mayor of Dublin, and that was because of the phenomenal Dublin Comic Con and throughout the years as time has progressed Dublin Comic Con has just gotten bigger and better attracting bigger guests and obviously is the biggest con in the country by an absolute country oh yeah mile. And, uh, like set up by two fans four fans like they've no financial backing of it. they put their own money into it and like there's a, there's a couple of reasons why it's a success story it is now it's because they're two lads the team they have around them uh, I'm lucky enough to be part of it sometimes um, and uh, then I, I think we can say a lot more than sometimes you have for a long time were a vital cog in what was going on and, and yes, again like, like help like helping things and this was my wheelhouse <coughs> so I got to help wherever I could and this and that like being an ambassador and just talk about it and then got to meet people at other conventions say look do you want to come here but the two lads 
um, they um, start up and through their own money yard and they start like we, we joke about how they start off in a little shed and swords and now it's in the convention center the biggest thing and like, get more people in the RDS I think it's just the RDS is more sounds with shows in Dublin but the convention center down the road is perfect I, like, I think it looks like something of a movie it looks, it looks like a Bond villain's lair the way it's set up it, look, it looks like um, a cannon could fly over from the Empire and just take and the way it lights up as well like, you see yourself walking by it. It's just it's, it's a great complex, and we've got to know it over the past few years. And so this year is the, in August is the tenth anniversary yeah. of Comic Con. So the plan is to bring back um, great guests, but they're also going to bring back some of the best guests. Although some of the guests were available from the past who've been here before. Unfortunately, um, one of the, one of the biggest plans was for Kevin Conroy, who sadly passed away a few a while ago. And so he was he again. He's just an example of one of the many guests who. Uh, credit to the lads and the great team they have behind the scenes like from security to organising tickets to finance like they're all volunteers and all friends and they just basically help out with the lads and, and set builders and sisters like so you do have a few there's always a few problems few hiccups like or anything as well but it all gets sorted and when it comes to showtime it's it's game time and that's the biggest thing that always struck me about Dublin Comic Con and Dublin Comic Con was a it's huge like a community it. It, was, it was a huge part of our journey as well in the community because we were just a little podcast starting off and then eventually we got to hosting a Star Wars panel which then led to us going on a crazy adventure I mean off the, the back of that then as our sort of popularity grew we ended up hosting conven- uh, hosting panels at other cons to eventually reaching what is sort of the pinnacle for Star Wars which is Star Wars celebration of which we are blessed to be hosting it again yeah. this like year what, it's like what you said about um, uh, reputation and everything else it's, it comes back to it, I don't chase because um, I'm starting all over again it's, I don't chase uh, social media numbers likes comments all the rest of that it's sales 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 but it's word of mouth that generates that even at the end of like, social media and all the rest it's word of mouth so same thing people go to your panels and talk about it and then oh I want same thing like, like, see some videos on YouTube of commentators on movies and stuff like that already host things and I go oh I want to keep watching them it's just I don't watch many stuff but I like, I like, what, I like the attitude it is and some, like, there is, like there is more Star Wars panels out there but people are like no I like this I like this what they talk about um, might have given up by now but <laughs> they go on more than a certain time I found <laughs> that people just switch off um, so yeah, this might be a two part um, but yeah it just comes down to the whole people like uh, like the host they like your subject matter like your guests and stuff like that you just get comfortable around you so it's like yourself you, you, it's like when people used to buy comics or watch a TV show you watch you get one or two episodes you get one or two comics and you either get a feel for it you either like it or you don't and you have the power to go you know what I'm not watching this anymore I'm not, I'm not collecting this issue anymore and the same with podcasting there's so many stuff like myself there's so many websites out there so I'm just every time a new order comes in I'm like yay it's just, again, it's not like someone likes me, it's a sale, something else, and someone's going to get something that they like. And then people know that you're going to go to the show, and you're going to have a, a pass. It's like, no, I'm going to take 45 minutes to an hour out of my convention, going to sit there and listen to these people be live there, and get, might get a chance to ask a question, but I'm going to be entertained. I might, I might, ask, I might learn something as well, and stuff like that. So, um, but just, yeah, the, 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 the team over the year, and it was good, that, like the first show, there was a lot of shops there, and a lot of shops didn't believe in them, so it's good to see shops have come and gone over the years, and other businesses, but it's just grown and grown and grown, and the guys have still stayed grounded in terms of their fans, and this is why they're doing it. Okay, it's, it's a bit more financial risk this time, because it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger each year, and so the stakes have to be guests, so at some stage they'll probably will sit down and talk about the guests that got away or couldn't or were planning to come but something happened filming like people know like Carl Orban and stuff like that it happens on every show in, in Dublin Comic Con it's people will ask why didn't they get so and so why didn't get that and goes look we're in a country of only a certain population the UK has a higher population and Europe has a higher population so they've got bigger venues we can only fit like 20,000 people into the CCD but yeah. if you think about it like, you don't, you're not going around scenes 20,000 people all at once they're all spread out on different levels yeah. and they're all having fun so 
people, are, some people are going to be there and be like, yeah, other people are going, oh, what's going on here? Or, like, we used to get a lot of people coming in into the trade hall and go, is this it? And it goes, did you not read the thing? It's the whole building. Go up and the guests are all upstairs. Or, so if you're a first-timer or um, uh, 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 just like an old-timer going to these conventions, just, just you know what you're doing. You just ask questions. Like, some people just want to go and cosplay. And, again, it's another thing I didn't expect me to find myself, myself doing over the years or anything like that. Just a bit of help build thing, costumes and stuff. I didn't expect to be in them, mm-hmm. uh, appearances and stuff like that. But um, there's things I'd love to be doing around a Comic-Con. But, uh, yeah, for this, but for the past, every time I have Comic-Con, it's just, you know, I'm on my stall and I'm meeting people and we're hopefully having a laugh and make sure everyone's enjoying it. It's a party. And it, 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 like I said, the guys over the years, they'll probably sit down at one stage and talk about the guests that got away. There's a few high-end ones and there's a few really crowd-pleasers. And like you get people going, oh, they should listen to my suggestion. Goes, they listen to everybody. everybody and they, yeah. that, That's the one thing we can definitely say is they yeah. do genuinely listen. And just getting back to Kevin, um, the guests that they've had over the years have been the best ambassadors and the best uh, kind of thing. Because what happened is they went back and told their other like Tara, and we hope we've got to Mark Hamill at some stage but actually they went and talked to Rob Paulson and they recommended and so Billy West and all these people and then Michael Rosenbaum all these actually they actually went and told people said I'm thinking about going to Ireland or I got, men, I got asked to go to Ireland and then people go because again it's a holiday and it's getting to chill out and okay the population isn't as high you wouldn't be expecting the same return or the same amount of feed but it's just like you want a, a little chilled experience like there are guests who will be a bit antsy or a bit agitated it yeah. happens at every con yeah I don't want to say I'm not saying that but it's, uh, and the summer just like wow why can't we have you every year type of thing like if I had my way Michael Rosenbaum or Elvira would be doing the announcements uh, having Rosie there would be fantastic oh, he, but, um, he was sound. it's the one thing that strikes me about Dumbacon and this year is a huge year because it is going to be the 10th anniversary show. Well, we got to get through March 4th. we got to get through <laughs> March 4th. So for those who are maybe on for our international listeners, Dublin Comic Con is usually a spring edition and a summer edition. It so was just summer and a few years ago they branched off into doing spring edition. Yeah. It was supposed to be kind of anime edition but it kind of, you have, things have to evolve and what happened, there's a lot of guests who are planned there couldn't come in the end and were moved there's a lot of moving around the calendar year because again people get As jobs their schedules go scheduled or flights and all sorts or something happens here we go uh, the worst case scenario being the death of the guest so unfortunately yeah. Kevin uh, passed away so that would have been really good to have him back this year but and what a man may we say oh, as well just an absolutely we were, genuine we, lovely human oh being. yeah pleasure of meeting him like, away and here and he had three visits here and to find out he had a big massive Irish heritage and everything else as well like he, it was something else. So we had even, and he was one of the first guests. He was actually the first person to have an evening with. The yeah. plan was to have guests over and do a special evening with, and he flew over that night. And uh, actually, he came straight from the airport because the flight was delayed. And he literally got out of the taxi straight in and on the stage and was talking about his parents and singing and reciting all sorts of stuff like that and just entertained the crowd. He was knackered, but he just entertained. So, he, again, you want guests like that who are just like, the show must go on, no matter what. Oh, 100%. And I think that's a reflection then of... The, the guys behind the scenes as we said it was started you know by fans for fans but you look at it now and here we are with our local con coming into the 10th anniversary and every year it has gotten bigger and bigger and I think evolution is a fair word in that there has never been many drastic changes ever needed because obviously we have our little hiccups here and there which happens but in terms of the platform and the basis they're always covered and any little changes that are made it might be the most subtle thing like for example when they changed Artist Alley for the first time. When they changed Artist Alley for the first time, um, the, the change in the layout, it was such a small thing. 
but it just seemed to work perfectly. Oh, there was conniptions, like people, because again, some people like change, some people don't like change, but again, it, it, it's only when it happens, you go, oh, it's actually worked out for the better as well, so, and then there's the whole, I don't, I don't know that sort of thing, like, people have to employ for tables, and then sometimes there's a wait list and things like that. So it's like, as soon as you want, if you want to go to Comic-Con, you want as a trader or an artist, you get in early, just as soon as you see the listings go up, just apply, apply, apply. And like I'm not involved in that sort of side of things, but I'm just advertising. I'm just saying I'm just supporting it and trying to get people and mention it and everywhere it goes. Just like we hear the Comic Con, and that's where we try to get like Board Fulcher or Disney and stuff like. That. So over the years, like Warner Bros. and Disney and all the movie studios actually started coming to it and go, "Oh, hang on a second, because they have to go back to head office in the UK or the US and for permissions." But that's why over the past few years you've seen standees for Batman and uh, Shazam and everything else and uh, the Superman Batman statues and. Uh, Oh, the biggest heartbreaker was uh, Mando. Oh, you know, you know. You I, know. Kn- I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. So yeah. it, it basically the con, spring con of twenty twenty, which uh, wrongly or something else. Um, yeah, that was basically as soon as COVID, we went, the country went lockdown a few days before the con was supposed to happen. And what was going to happen is Disney Orange were going to exclusively show the first episode of Mandalorian. A lot of money was spent on setup and everything else. It was going to be a total surprise, and it was going to be the first screen of Mandalorian in Europe. Um, and exclusive to Dublin Comic Con and the whole country shut down for what, months, <laughs> New Year so um, there's, there's little things like that got away but then there's other little things that happen along the way like it makes up for it here and there but and it just goes to show look we could, didn't do that in there but we could do other things here and there so it's, uh, it's just again it comes down to the whole networking thing like you have all these big companies and they're like they want to advertise a product we're fans we want to be like well, you're with me like come see Ant-Man last night um, at the premiere it's like I want to see these things first because I don't want to get spoiled on me and so it's fun so it was just and like Kong exclusive like Kong exclusive comics Kong, Kong exclusive prints like from the artists like Jamie Johnson's going to be here with Ninja Turtle prints and yeah. stuff like that so it's again these are people you're going like they're like with Will remember when Will was just like doing drawings doing commissions that's part of the eclectic mix and little local things and now he's Marvel and he's on TV so you never know who these people are 10 years on 5 years on 15 years on from all these things Absolutely right, and I think that's a that's a nice place to finish in the build-up spring con. So, um, Jay, first of all, just say thank you so much for taking the time to Thanks sit with us today, but also um, to say thank you so much to you because you've always been a, a big supporter of what we do, and you know we're lucky to have gotten to know you. Uh, we've known you, you quite a while now, but you've always been supportive of anything that we've tried to do for anything that we need, and um, it, you know we just really do appreciate it because, like without yourself and the guys behind Dublin Comic Con supporting us we never would have gotten to Star Wars Celebration or gotten to interview all these crazy people so it all comes down to like um, take a chance it's all you can it's like with the guest or like anything in life is look ask you're going to be told yes or no and it's like at least you'll know so it's like yourselves you went out and just two fans yourself and Jamie and before you know it, you, it, it exploded. Kate was along for the ride. Kate, as well. Yeah, yeah, B, well, BBK. Yeah, I remember. I was listening back in the day as well. Um, but yeah, again, just and the, again, it's the power of the internet. You, look, you, you could pro- people just really made till years ago. Used to sit around and be like, um, "Oh, what if Alien versus Predator?" And then they all happen. Like, the thing is, you, you'd be sitting around with James Tompkins Star Wars, and now you get to talk to it, and other people get to listen as well. And that's the whole idea. And then other people get ideas. I go, "Oh, yeah, that's the idea as well." So yeah. You kind of think that you're either talking to people who could be friends or you'd like to sit down and talk with these people as well. But it's good to know there's other like-minded people out there. Absolutely. So just before we finish, can you uh, give the guys the links to the Facebook, the Instagram, the website, whatever oh, it's, for it's, yourself? Yeah, it's, it's, it's heroesandvillains.ie is the main website. And I can, um, it's, uh, it's basically it's an online site, but I can post it internationally. But at least 20% of my sales at the moment are all international. And just um, people contact me and 
because of the financial um, shipping costs at the moment, so I was like, they don't like the price on the site, they contact me and I'll get a better quote because the website is just calculating what's there. But yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and email is info at heroesandvillains.ie. So you'll find me on any of them, and it'll be at Comic Con as well, we'll be hiding on the back row of the Messers. Be sure to stop by and see Jason. MJ, thank you so much. No, thank you. Well, Kate, there's the, the voice of expertise and reason within the, the comic world here in Ireland. So <laughs> what an interview with Jason. Just such an interesting guy and such great fun to interview. Jason would talk all day and he has so many different stories to, to tell. But I thought it made for a really interesting perspective from his point of view, from being behind the, you know, the marketing and selling of... <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Versus not just from the collecting point of view. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I don't know if you want to mention it. um, After you chatted with him, you posted that picture of you two. Um, We certainly did. I said he looks like a character were my exact words. Um, But do you want to describe that photo a little bit so people know, have an idea? Yeah, so Jason is a character. He is a lovable rogue. And Jason turned (laughs) up to the interview with a Rogue One hat. He was wearing the Irish Chewy is my co-pilot uh, t-shirt, which people will be familiar with that they've seen on our channel before. But he also turned up to the cafe for a podcast recording wearing pod racer glasses. Brilliant. There, there is nothing more need be said. The The man is just... Did you get any interesting okay, looks again. from people or... <laughs> Or was it just like oh when we were recording in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the cafe we got some really interesting looks with our with our microphones and my nice. new recorder which he describes as almost looking like a probe droid nice so yeah we, we did get some pretty interesting looks in the cafe but um <laughs> again it was just nice to be able to just sit and talk shop so yeah we hope people sure. really really enjoyed our part two interview in the build up to dublin comic-con again we are full speed ahead towards Dublin Comic Con mm-hmm. and again Blab Alive returning to Dublin Comic Con so we're, we're really really excited and again as we mentioned in our previous episode Kate mm-hmm. we've got three live shows to prep for and yeah. well, we're still doing interviews in between so and we have some already in the can to edit still and our composers and other stuff too even before that so if we've inter- if we've interviewed you and we haven't released the episode yet it's coming <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I, I think part two and three of that composer series, people are going to really, really enjoy because yeah. we've, had people, we've had people asking for it. So we will yeah. we will be getting those out once, once Dublin Comic Con is out of the way. Yep. So stick with Blaba for all the most interesting interviews. <laughs> kind of looks like you have Yoda ears in the back. What oh, is that? My oh, it's a hanger. Is that a hanger? Oh, that's a hanger back there, yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Yoda ear. <laughs> no, Grogu's, on the, Grogu's on the plastic bag. That's oh, nice. Bag. And he's on the bed, actually, technically. Yeah, there you go. Lots of Grogu's. Yep. Beautiful. All right, so make sure you're following us at Blah Blah Hut because we're going to be having a lot of updates, especially for the live shows. So if you're going to be attending those, we'll have giveaways for at least some of them, I know. Um, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have giveaways for Boom to Eve. We can one hundred percent say that. Yeah, possibly other ones, but we can't say anything more than that yeah, now. We can't say just yet. Yeah. so we'll we'll see. 
beautiful stuff. But yeah, Kate, so we are full speed ahead towards Dublin Comic Con and getting prepped. So <laughs> myself and you are going to be very, very busy for the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. All right. This is where the fun begins. This is the way.